재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. This is Koreascape TBS EFM 101.3 in Seoul. This time of the week, we always are joined by Michelle Kang from the Seoul Global Center, and she brings us up to speed on trivia, history, little-known facts about Korea that are always an education for expats like me, and sometimes even the Korean listeners out there didn't know some of the things that we talk about. Hello, Michelle. Good morning, Kurt. I want to ask you the question of the week that I just posed to listeners a little while ago. Seoul Fashion Week is happening, really getting into swing today, all kinds of runway events, things like that. Uh, And so we're asking for general thoughts on fashion. Now, this can be personal stuff, whether you uh, have rescued a spouse or a loved one or a boyfriend or a girlfriend from a personal fashion emergency, or if you have any thoughts about the Korean fashion scene in general. We are glad to hear it. I want to hear Michelle Kong's thoughts. Does fashion play an important role in your life? Well, I don't want to be a fashion terrorist, obviously. But (laughs) this morning, it's so chilly. So I thought maybe warmth comes before fashion. You didn't wear long padding? No, not not really. It's it's spring. Well, allegedly. (laughs) But uh, today, it's pretty blizzardy. I still think it's, you know, long padding's over. I think the end of the Paralympics probably... That was your. It's like uh, Labor Day in the U.S. Mm. You know, no more, no uh, more, no more long bit. padding. Right. Uh, so those need to go back into the closet. Uh-huh. That's my fashion pronouncement sure, for the day. Right. Are you going to make it to uh, Fashion Week? Um, I don't know. I've been to a runway uh, one time. That was pretty interesting, but mm. I don't think I can make it this year. I've never seen a live runway. Show. Uh-huh. I mean, there was sort of a side one at the Olympics, and I kind of caught that. But uh. I've never seen a where the whole room is kind of fixated on the runway. Mm. Maybe I'll try that this okay. week if I can. Um, if you want to text in pound 1013, 50 want to text, or reach us on our social media, Facebook or Twitter. So let's get to the topic at hand. Mm. I kind of half hoped you'd dress like Genghis Khan today in the studio. <laughs> you know, that would have been a fashion statement. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Khans... Came to Korea at one point. Yes. Not necessarily Genghis, or did he? Oh, uh, no. Later. Later. Ancestor right, or right. Uh, progenitors or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Family. Right. Right. So if we pick up from where we left off last, uh, actually two weeks ago. We kind of, yeah, dropped yeah. little hints. You mm-hmm. told me that Samgyeopsal yes. was actually not a native Korean idea, but rather a Mongolian import. Is that uh, what you told me? No, no, no. Samgyeopsal is just pure Korean. Pure Korean. Right. But it wasn't. It was being a popular only coming into the 70s. And uh. I told you, Samgyeopsa, the term was actually added to the Korean dictionary in 1994. So late. Yeah, so late. But um, the idea of preparing Samgyeopsa as Samgyeopsa was that, that that was an imported idea. Oh, uh, Samgyeopsa is, there are two theories why Koreans. Uh, really love Samgyeopsal mm-hmm. because um, cold miners in one area in Gangwon they received vouchers. They can exchange this with uh, cheap cuts, pork cuts. I see. And the other theory is we uh, exported this um, pork sirloin and all these uh, good cuts to Japan, uh, and we have to consume what's left. So, so Samgyeopsal, mm-hmm. Korea can take credit for. That's not going to the Mongolians. No. What is? But, you know, just like the uh, famous combination of chimek, chicken and beer, we mm-hmm. have samso, samgyeopsal, and then soju. <laughs> um, <laughs> but soju has some history. Ah, yes. that's the Mongolian mm, essence. Yes. Soju with your samgyeopsal. Right. It all comes to that. That's right. So the Mongolian 
hordes or, <laughs> or the Mongolian rulers brought uh, soju into Korea? That's exactly right. Okay. Um, Mongolian, well, actually, the Mongol Empire, their invasions and conquests took place throughout the 13th century. And that's when they started to send some soldiers to Korea to conquer Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kublai Khan, the fifth Khan uh, of the Mongol Empire, he, uh, his soldiers in Korea, they all carried a waist leather pouch to carry this alcohol. That was Mongolian version soju. One of these sort of manly-looking squeeze bottle yes. type of deals. But mm-hmm. it wasn't hydration. It was soju in there? It was soju. It was called arak. Oh, I've had arak. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still, you can buy bottles of that down in, um, I don't know if it's the strong, same stuff. It? Yeah. It's basically fermented coconuts and stuff like that. Okay. It's just straight, um. almost grain alcohol kind okay. of stuff. Okay. Okay. So that is the first um, Korean soju. And... Uh, all these Mongolian troops are stationed in areas like Kaesong, Andong, and Jeju Island. Mm-hmm. And these are the areas where Korean soju was first made. So that's a uh, relation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have uh, had Mongolians in uh, Korea, maybe our food was sort of inspired by Mongolians as well, you can guess. Yes, Uh, I'm just trying to compare in my mind the soju that we all know and love in the little green bottles today Mm -hmm. versus what, um, you know, the Mongol warrior was carrying in uh, his his leather pouch probably wouldn't have been that similar to the stuff we drink at the table, right? Oh, it's very different. Uh, Mm -hmm. Stronger for the Mongolian horse person, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Right. So Mongolian food influences. Mm -hmm. A lot of meat, I would guess. A lot of meat, a lot of meat. Mm. Well, before I talk about this Mongolian influence, probably I would like to share one little episode that I experienced at the Seoul Global Center. Okay. We had a caller, a migrant worker from Mongolia. He called us and then complained about his company saying he has never been provided the food, meal, proper meal from his company. We just talked to his Korean owner and he said, well, the company has been providing the meal like, every single day to all employees. And after a series of conversations, we realized in Mongolia, a meal without meat is not considered a proper meal. So this, they were handing out sort of uh, like dang food of rice and... Lots of vegetables, and, kimchi. Uh, tenjangu right. and some panchan. Uh-huh. But this guy wanted an entire sword of meat or that's something right. like that. That's right, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's a cultural how, difference. That's right. So um, in Korea, Koreans had before, uh, beef before then, uh, before pork, for a long time. And the Goguryeo uh, dynasty, people liked mekjeok. This is the very first kind of bulgogi, uh, barbecued beef skewers, right? And that was um, pre-mated with some sort of sauce, probably soy sauce. That's nice. And uh, this has been evolved into the modern-day bulgogi, and the Mongolians also enjoyed really uh, meat. And uh, after Goguryeo was Goryeo, but during the Goryeo period, because of the Buddhism, uh, the national religion, people didn't really enjoy meat. But because of the Mongolians on the Korean peninsula, but they couldn't really survive without eating meat. Mm-hmm. So the mekduck came to life again. And at the same time, Mongolians who lived in Korea, they enjoyed their own style of meat dish. That was called seolha myok. 
This is beef sirloin grilled in oil and some kind of a marinade. That sounds awesome. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling my kinship to these Mongolian, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, invaders or whatever. Um, so this is and beef. They had access to beef. You're saying, yeah, they had mm-hmm. yeah, because of their um, territory that they sure you know kind of commanded. Right. They could. Um, they had a supply line of beef to their front lines and their invasion lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. So from Korea to Joseon periods, grilled beef became really popular. I'm not sure if we can see the painting. Uh, this is a genre painting uh, of. This is done by Song Hyup. Mm-hmm. Uh, his artwork is called Yayan, which means night banquet. Uh, if you see this paint painting, his work... Maybe our PD can pull it up in the studio. Maybe we can link to it on our social media. You, mm. You're saying it's Yayan. Yayan. Famous painting? Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe. You can see actually um, a group of aristocrats are eating grilled beef in the, in the mountain, This looks like any given night in uh, Gwangwamun, except they're all in, <laughs> you know, Joseon Dynasty outfits. So right. one's sipping alcohol. And they're all sort of flipping meat on the grill. Yes, yes, meat and alcohol. You can see a bottle of alcohol on one side, mm. right? So um, you can see a flat grill pan in the middle, and there's a little dent. I think it's the space for the marinade. Uh, it's known, and then beef was sort of ah. dipped into the marinade and then grilled on the pan. Now, is the pan sloped so that like the juice from the beef goes into that little yeah, marinade thing? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a th- there's a type of uh, cooking pot. I forget what it is in Korea, but the grill and it, and it slopes down into sort of a, like a moat of soup. Right, 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 right. Mm. Do you know what that's called? Um, mm. It'll come to me in a little right. bit. But um, it's a thing where afterwards, once all the beef is grilled, mm-hmm. they kind of add some soup to it and mm-hmm. it becomes the soup for okay. everybody. Right, right. Shin song nol or something. Shin solo. That might be it. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, but uh, this... Uh, a type it. of yeah. grilled uh, beef or uh, Mongolian-style seolhamyeok. This was evolved into a royal court dish called nobiyani. I'm sure you tasted this. Nobiyani. Nobiyani, meaning wide uh, sliced grilled beef. And uh, this is the forerunner of the crunch bulgogi, actually. And bulgogi also influenced, Korea, uh, not Korean, <laughs> Japanese cuisine as well. So later, it becomes uh, yakiniku in Japan. This looks, nobiyani, this mm-hmm. thing you're describing, it's sort of just basically flat sliced grilled beef. When you go to these sort of royal cuisine uh-huh. restaurants, they give you that, right? Yes. Not quite bulgogi because it's not sort of drowning in not bulgogi of, flavorings. Mm-hmm. It's more like just sort of... Kalbi flat beef type of thing, right? Yes, that's right. There are actually two different types of bulgogi. One is with lots of broth, and mm. the other one is no broth. No broth. Mm-hmm. And it's still bulgogi. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Meat, uh, mm-hmm. crucial for the sure. Mongolians. Sure. Even today, you know, complaining to the Seoul Global Center that the employer is not giving me enough meat. Mm-hmm. What a Mongolian complaint that yeah. is. <laughs> okay. We are learning uh, everything. Um, from this uh, Mongolian diet, we can assume Koreans have embraced uh, culinary influence. One of the examples might be Korean blood sausage, sunde. Sunde is also a Mongolian thing? Mm, it's passed down from Mongolian army. 
Really? Okay. Uh, the Mongol army's mobility was very important for their combat power. So the horses were really, really important. And uh, they were just going everywhere on their horses. But it was really difficult to find fresh vegetables, right? Mm. So when the vegetables were available, they would just chop all these vegetables and salt meat and put the, all these minced ingredients all together into the pig's intestines, sometimes horses' intestines. Sometimes, uh, yeah, kind of a sausage on the fly yeah, type of thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, this food was brought to Korea with Mongolians and evolved into s u n d a And the local Koreans said, hey, that looks tasty. <laughs> Let's weave that into our national cuisine. Maybe, right. But um, there are many theories about this origin of Sunde, but uh, most historians believe this is actually um, the real uh, origin because, you know, once again, killing animals for food or meat eating was prohibited during the Korea dynasty. Mm. So probably that's the only source. Because it was, it, that's like a Buddhist kind of yes. uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So there you go. So uh, our journey into the Mongolian influence Starts with uh, soju and uh, barbecued meat of various types. Sunde, probably mm-hmm. as just a practical transport measure, salted vegetables and meat kind of forced into the intestine of whatever was handy. Right. And uh, where else can we go with this? Uh, the Mongol Empire invaded Korea as well, but um, Korea didn't really surrender. And uh, Korea dynasty had its autonomy. But it was forced to sign a peace treaty with the uh, Mongolians and the two countries were linked through marriage. Hmm. So kings of Korea were married to princesses of Mongol, right? Um, So some members of the royal family here in Korea were taken to Mongolia and then they were raised in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. And Mongolian princesses came to Korea and lots of Korean women, Korea women, were sent to Mongolia as well. Marriage as the sort of ultimate form of diplomacy back in in those eras of history. Also in Europe, the case. Mm -hmm. But Kurt, you've been to a traditional Korean wedding ceremony, right? I did. A friend Mm -hmm. of mine had a very traditional Mm -hmm. wedding. So do you remember all these uh, wedding attire? To a large extent, yeah. And I've got photos. Okay, so uh, if you can remember, a bride is wearing a black sort of small headdress. mm, Mm -hmm. Almost like a cube or something on top. Right, coronet. Mm -hmm. So that is called jokduri, this ceremonial coronet. This has its roots in Korea-Mongol relations. Is that really? Mm -hmm. So that's a trace of, would would a Mongolian bride have worn something quite similar? Uh, Not necessarily bride, but when the Mongolian princess came to Korea to marry a king of Korea, uh, her father actually gave this Mongolian hat as a gift. But the regular Mongolian um, hats were worn by women when they were going for just outing. Uh, it was a lot simpler and no ornaments or whatnot. But uh, after it was brought in Korea, it's changed into rather a hair accessory. In the Asian time, women at the uh, palace or high-ranking court ladies, they had a very unique hairdo. If you remember, mm. they would just tie their hair uh, into a bun and then uh, they have a huge wig on top. 
Okay. Right? The bigger or the heavier the wigs are, the better. Really? Yes. But one time when it was getting too expensive to buy all these wigs, uh, queens and concubines started to decorate their hair with jokduri, with all these colorful gemstones, ornaments. Less wig, more jokduri. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So um, later, aristocrats copied the idea. They wore jokduri uh, uh, at weddings, and the commoners followed later on as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. And it's you mentioned it had a practical purpose. It's kind of the ultimate bobby pin of uh, holding your hair back uh, out of your face a little well, bit. It right? was an accessory as uh, initially, just mm-hmm. um, hair accessory. Mm. Uh, it's got no practical purpose, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty. And some of them I can see they have uh, little tassels or little... Uh, I don't know, uh, kind of bejeweled or ribbon type things that kind of dangle down Mm -hmm, into the mm -hmm. forehead, which is kind of a pretty effect. Mm -hmm, Right. And some people say the red dots on the bride's face, uh, actually on the cheeks and the forehead, that's called yonji gonji. That was also influenced by Mongolia. But uh, there are some evidences. For example, mural paintings during the Korea dynasty, all these women painted on the walls have very similar makeup styles. So I don't think it's from Mongolia. It's interesting. I I haven't seen, I don't believe that the the traditional wedding I saw, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I believe she had the two dots on the cheek. I don't know as though she had it on the forehead. The three Mm. dots is something unfamiliar to me. Okay. Some people say that's from actually Mongolian shamanism rituals. Okay. It's but, plausible enough. Mm, but uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, All right. So mm. where else might we see some uh, Mongolian fashion uh, on formal wear? All right. Like the Swiss um, carry their own pocket knife. Mm. Koreans had a small silver knife called Unjangdo. Okay. Uh, it was originally used by both men and women to defend themselves or to commit suicide. That's about 10 centimeter long. It features very sophisticated designs and ornaments. So over time, it beca- became a fashion accessory for mostly the upper class women. Are the women carried it? Okay. Yes, yeah. yes. So coming into the Joseon dynasty which was a huge Confucian society, the silver knife became a symbol of symbol of a fidelity uh, for women. And actually, women carried this Nzangdo knife as there were serious inv- invasions from other countries' foreign powers. But anyways, the three must-have items among the ladies back then were a comb, hair comb, and a mirror, and Nzangdo. Comb, a mirror, mm-hmm. and just in case, a little silver dagger. Sure. But that's not, they, they, it's not something that's apparent. You don't see it kind of, you know, dangling from their waist. Yeah, it's hidden uh, under the hanbok top. Mm. Mm. Hidden danger. Yeah. I, and, and most of the uh, upper class women would have had this. Right, right. Interesting. But this unjangdo is from Mongolia. It was introduced during the late Korea dynasty. But interestingly, here in Korea, unjangdo uh, was used for practical purposes as well. It was dipped in the food offered by a stranger to detect some poison. If the Food is poison. To detect it. Why? Because it would discolor or would you feed yeah, it to your taste? Yeah, silver will, will tarnish uh. when it's exposed to poison. So that's how all these uh, kings would have someone who would taste the food first with the silver utensils so they can just detect 
Okay. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So there's. I, I never knew that. Mm. What What else do we have in terms of Mongolian influence? We, we, I just talked about the uh, king's dinner table or just regular meals. It's called sura. Meals mm. prepared for kings is called the sura, and the royal table is called the sura sang, meaning uh, sang means uh, table, and sura is actually a Mongolian term. Is it? Yes. You know, um, sura sang is set with rice, soup, and dozens of side dishes, and there is a kuk or soup, right? Kuk is a uh, Where would you see surasang like, or where would you say surasang nowadays? Like going to a really nice royal cuisine Her, style yes, restaurant, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. you would order the surasang. Surasang, of course, you can right. do that. Right then, kuk. Uh, there is a very similar traditional uh, Mongolian dish that's a meat-based soup that's cooked with a few vegetables, and it's called shul. S H U L. And uh, Korean scholars think the word sura is derived from this specific. Word. And who am I to argue with them? <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. And there are some other Mongolian words. We use a few royal titles and styles. You know, kings and queens were addressed mama in Korean. Really? Yes, mama. Whether king or queen? Yes, 중전 mama or 대비 mama or Never something like that. Oh, so that means your highness. Mama. Uh, mama. But that's the most honorific title in Mongolia. Mm. That's the word borrowed. And husbands call their wives puin or manura. Puin, is that like bu, like the word for, or is, or is that on a whole other Sino-Korean track? Pu? Uh, Bu, like, uh, you know. It's like from pubu, yeah. men and women, right? Yeah, yeah. So, puin or manura. Manura probably has a little condescending connotation, but manura is from manora, which was a title for the wives of the royal court. Very good term, but that's also derived from a Mongolian word. A whole lot of Mongolian influence, mm-hmm. even more than we have time to get to. Maybe at some point we'll pick this topic up again because it is very interesting. I never knew. the degree to which Mongolian culture had uh, kind of penetrated Korea. Thanks for coming in, Michelle. Thank you for having me.